This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Well, I got it. Heaven! Damn it! I have a crush on every boy! I'm a virgin. Hillary Gump. It's me. This is so good. What is it this is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have Good Christian Fun talking about salvation, which is the ultimate doodle that can't be undid. Once you're saved, you're always saved, and you will always be guaranteed a spot up there in heaven. Don't worry about it. Um, I disagree with that belief. I think that you do have to continue getting saved every single day okay. or it does not count. <laughs> okay. Now that is a strain of theological thought. I remember uh, a buddy of mine in high school said, if I sinned and then I get in a car crash on the way home before I repent, I will go to hell. He, That's it. He did believe that. Uh, I did not share that belief with him. I like that. Can you put me in touch with him? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I can find him on Facebook for you. Uh, Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about evangelical Christian pop culture, the music and the movies and the entertainment made for, made by, made about, made as a love, love letter to Christians mm. and Christianity. <laughs> But, then this is a big caveat, we're not here to make fun of you. We're not here to make you go to church either. We're just here to have fun. It's okay. It'll sound like we're making fun of you, but it's not about you in particular. And it'll feel like we're making fun of you. It'll feel <laughs> embarrassing. You'll feel mad. It kind of like angry and, and kind of attacked. But You'd be like, did they just say my mom's maiden name when they attacked me? And you, but it's not what you think it is. It no. feels personal, but it's actually on your head, and you're actually gaslighting us by feeling that way. And isn't that interesting how that can go both ways? <laughs> so, of course, today we're talking about Steve Taylor. Caroline, do you remember us talking about Steve Taylor many years ago? Uh, No. Okay. Now we did. What did we talk about? We talked about, he had a song called Whatever Happened to Sin. And it was basically oh, him yeah. saying, hey, we used to have this concept called sin, and now we don't. And there's abortion and gay people. It. Whatever happened to sin? And that was kind of his position on it. And is that a coincidence? Right. I don't know. Is it a coincidence <laughs> that you don't remember it? Whatever happened to Caroline's memory of whatever happened to sin? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I have so much sin blocking my ears. I guess so. I will say, I think that was part of March Madness 2018. So it was literally um, more than four years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was a president ago. I'll put it that way. Those were, oh, and, wow. And, yeah, and so, those were times. That puts things in perspective. But we could not talk about Steve Taylor alone for this episode. We did need the help of a very special guest, friends and folks. You may know him from his podcast like Scott Hasn't Seen, Freedom, or his TV show Comedy Bang Bang, or his movie Between Two Ferns. Give it the hell up for Scott, Scott Ackerman! Wow. 
You guys really hit the crescendo of the music. Wowie sow. I love that. We've, you know. Practiced. We climax early and then post for the rest of the show. Yeah. Start high. Oh, really? It's underscoring the entire show? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It it plays as a little bed so people know when to fast forward to the ads that they like (laughs) listening to more than the show. Uh, um, yeah. I, I, I love that, uh, Kevin, you have the most interesting March Madness conversations I think I've ever heard. <laughs> You're talking well, about a three-decade-old song. That's right. No, Four decades. Well, well and that's, that's what uh, March Madness is on this podcast, which is esoteric music that barely the hosts of the own show don't even remember to say nothing <laughs> of the listeners to speak of. That was a bracket for the hunt for the worst Christian song of all time. At the time, and that was in the mm. running amongst amongst some others. Uh, at the same, interesting. Time. One of them being the Big M, of course, the famous song about m- masturbation is our artificial sex. Uh, oh, I don't know that I've ever heard that one. Oh, the Big well, M is it? what it's called. The Big M. Well, you may not have heard Surprising. it. You might have lived it, but uh, there was that. That <laughs> wait a minute. It, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> not to, not to uh, throw <laughs> onanistic come on the show shots. To get called a jerk off. <laughs> There was, of course, Fat Baby by Amy Grant about uh, someone who was a baby Christian and they got fat on just like the baby food of Christianity. Uh, I don't know that one either. I know Baby Baby. Right. got a lot of baby songs. Well, yeah. No, she kind of got Hit fixated. Me Baby One More Time. Yeah. You know how like Springsteen always writes segment. about cars? That's like, that's what yeah. babies were for Amy Grant. Where it's like, what's Well, she used to hang out baby? in hospitals. A lot of people don't know. She would hang out in delivery rooms and get inspired. Which is right. cool. It's well, kinda, and it's, it's, it's so smart cool. marketing. What You get them like literally the youngest they could possibly be. Yes. And that's, that's a customer for life for Amy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that there was a Comedy Bang Bang sketch on the Judd Apatow episode. We It might be in there. It might be cut out. I know we filmed it. Where he <clears throat> would go to delivery rooms and pass out his card <laughs> to to produce their next film. Um, That's awesome. He would always get get in there earlier than anyone else Catch could. Him. I know you yeah. you don't you do have to start young. I would I will say I don't know if I'll ever have children, but if I do, I would I would like to uh, you know play. Represent them. What's that? Represent them. I would like to represent my children. Yeah, be yeah. their agent and manager, so you get twenty five percent. There's no big historical or recent examples of that going wrong in any way whatsoever. No, no, it's all it's incredible. But even thinking about that, I feel like the old joke was, "Oh, I want my kids to have good music taste, so I'm going to listen to X Y Z kind of music." Or when they're in utero, you know, I'll I'll be playing yeah. this. Would the same be true of podcasts? Like, do you think if 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 uh, I'm only going to play my own podcast? Right. I don't like any other podcast. In fact, I'm a little, it feels weird being on one of yours because this is the competition. Yeah, you know? and thanks for stretching yourself in that way. I get that. Yeah. So, but I'm only going to play my podcast so the baby will know my voice. That's really nice. I'm, I'm talking about to your baby, by the way. Uh, right, right, right. No, no. I'm going to come I, over and play my podcast. I assume so. And I think that's great. Yeah. And you can do cross promo and then you can play mine for yours. And, and the. I, I want the baby to never even know what WTF is. Or even what it stands for. Yeah. And to have no concept of gates that could be locked, whether they're childproof yes, or not. exactly. I want all gates to be open. I don't even want them to know who Obama is, because right. if they find out who Obama is, then they might just, just go down questions. the rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. Like, what is this WTF, Daddy? Yeah. No! <laughs> Should we rank the like top 10 episodes of podcasts that Obama has been on or hosted? Okay, himself? well, all six episodes of his with Springsteen. Mm. Or one through six. All right. Stacked. Okay. That's okay. That's then WTF. Yeah. And then that's number two. I assume he's been on Pod Save America. 
I assume, yeah, like a couple of times. You would think, right? It would be odd if he wasn't. But I don't know. I can't say that for sure. I'm almost certain he has. I'm almost certain. Okay. Because I remember uh, a little picture of those guys in some conference room round table. I'm thinking of the Oval Office. Oh. They were working there. Fuck, you're right. No, that wasn't a podcast. You're thinking of when he was president. That wasn't a dress to the nation. It wasn't round. (laughs) He had his four-year podcast, and then he had another term. Oh, gosh. I know. This is our second reference to him. But, you know, Springsteen is announcing tour dates as we speak. He's touring internationally. As we speak, really? Well, I mean, as we speak, as in the general time frame of this month, I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Okay. uh, Yes, he put out some international dates for Norway and Germany. I haven't uh, seen those U.S. dates, though. Those, yeah, the domestic dates. They're elusive at this point. Yet to come, but... Are you a a Springsteen fan? Very much so, yes. Very, very much so. What's your favorite Springsteen record? Favorite record? The Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle, I think would be number one with the bullet. And what did you think of the last one? The uh, letter to you. I like the ones yeah. that were him re-recording songs that he wrote forty years ago, and I thought the rest of the lyrics were okay, and it sounded great because they recorded. I thought it was it a late live. late stage masterpiece. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I think, mean, I think uh, uh, it's finally time for him to to put out an album that's a, a rumination on death. And mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was interesting. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, power- did you see the documentary about it? it uh, the documentary was really good. The Apple TV. I sure did. My favorite part of that, uh, for those that may not know, yes, there's a whole feature length documentary, which is essentially just like live performance footage of them recording in his ranch at his home. Right. And, and then drinking like a shot of whiskey at the end of it each, yes. and <laughs> each day. And a little, yes. It's like, it's quitting time, fellas. Yeah, it seems like, all gather around pour me hammered. one. And, and uh, the best is like, there's some interstitials between each song where he's kind of trying to explain what it means. And he's like, the power of prayer is what our spouses are to us. There's that. Yeah. that kind of, it was a lot like his Broadway show where it was just like, he, he is a really interesting just like prose writer. I think um, so, and, yeah. S- and speaker, I think. So it was, you know, we, we saw his Broadway show, uh, which was the first time I ever saw him doing anything like that. And then uh, to, to, then that movie, he basically is just doing that, but about these Fully. new songs. It's it's almost like Broadway show part two in a way. So. Right. And and I think that's what, and we'll talk about you in a second, Scott. Caroline, but, we'll let you back into the conversation yeah. soon. Oh, no. <laughs> I love listening <laughs> this is your dream right caroline <laughs> yeah no this is really cool <laughs> hey if it helps uh caroline there is a woman in the band it's his wife patty hey. there's a woman okay fun? now he had to put her in the band okay let's start over i'd yes. love to talk uh, let me jump in here as a woman uh, <laughs> there we go there we go okay and now we found the end for caroline well it seems like bruce has like traversed almost every kind of content he could in these years now is there territory left and yeah is there anything left for him to do in the media in i think F-T's. he was going for the egot i really do because he got he got the tuh yeah he and i did. think he got he's the O. Got the gu- he's got the gu. He's got the O, yeah, for Streets of Philadelphia. Is it just the E that's left? Yeah, Kevin, It's the though. E, and I think he was up for it with Larry some you. sort of... Uh, oh, it was it was, a, it was a, the Netflix version of the Broadway show, and I think he missed out on it. So. Wow. Who did uh, he lose? But to? meanwhile, Jay Hud goes in there and swoops Jennifer in. Hudson recently got the EGOT. Oh, at she this did? Past Tony, Tony's, as of recording this, aired last night, yes, and she wow. did get a Tony. For her performance. Or she's the young, not the youngest, uh, but she's one of the youngest. I believe John Legend is a year younger than her when he got it. And oh. then the Frozen 
people frozen. maybe are younger, but oh, I'm not the Lopez's, yeah, 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 the, the, frozen. I... the frozen people, yes. <laughs> to bring it back around Snowman. to something you might enjoy, <laughs> yeah, Carol. yeah, no, the, oh yeah, well, there's two women in that. Um, <laughs> if I were Tony, what I would do is I in would West just find story? out, yeah, who it, who is not doesn't have a T yet, and I just give awards to those people because that's yeah. an instant headline right there, right? I feel like it was. That was one reason the Tonys gave Springsteen the because it wasn't he didn't win it. No, it was it a, was honor. It was a special. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was an honorary one. You know, we're so. counting that. But also, Jay Hud, she got she had a daytime Emmy. Which, mm. I don't know. Isn't wow. Whoopi's a daytime Emmy though? Raisin Abro. It's not. It's not a real Emmy. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. It's 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 basically for shows that are uh, before three p.m. I believe. Yeah. Does that create Were resentment? You to call the three thirty, maybe. <laughs> the does that create resentment in you as someone who has a non-daytime Emmy? Uh, to- I have. Well, you know what's weird is the the some people have a distinction between the Creative Arts Emmys, which I have two of those, mm. and real Emmys. But the Creative Arts Emmys are purely just like they give way too many awards. They have, I think, three hundred or so Emmys every year, or whatever, and they can't give out three hundred on you know, the telecast. So they divvy them up into the huge ones and the creative arts, but there is a real distinction between daytime. And then even worse, I hosted the God, what were they called? The news Emmys, whatever that's mm. called. Local Emmys, I think is what they were called. I hosted it. Um, and that's where like every news organization comes for their Emmys. They treat it exactly as seriously as, you know, <laughs> of course they do as we would oh, or yeah. any, any award show. And I was doing jokes. I did like a 15-minute monologue, I think, and of jokes that me and the Bang Bang writers uh, wrote. And I thought they were pretty good, but I was eating shit, I thought. <laughs> like, no laughs. And then at one point, I looked around the room, and I said, can we all agree I'm killing right now? And everyone <laughs> applauded super loud. And I was like, am I killing? That almost feels worse or weirder, at least. But more confusing. But when I came off, yeah, when I came off, I realized, like, I was talking to everyone, everyone everyone was like, you were so funny. But everyone there was so nervous about winning their Emmys that they aren't having a good time, you know? Oh, yeah. And, but, uh, but anyway, there's that, those are the lowest of the low. I think that's why I was able to host that ceremony. Right. right. And you kind of did a Gervais-esque monologue where you were like making very specific insults to all the newscasters. uh... It wasn't insulting. I was just, I was, I was making jokes about local news Mm -hmm. in a way, but, uh, and trans people like Gervais would. So. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Just to be <laughs> and how inclusive in that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to make headlines, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I feel that's the only way you can in, as a comedian. In classic local news fashion. Well, we yeah. would love to know and understand more about uh, your relationship to the good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how you were raised with faith, God, Christianity, religion, all of the above. Because I know you have quite a big background with it yourself. Yes. So I grew up in Orange County, California, which is, uh, at the time, it was a really kind of Republican stronghold. This is in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and it, it kind of still is, I think, but um, not as much. But um, yeah, I, my parents um, met it at like a church field trip. Um, and my my dad very religious uh he was a deacon in the church and um i i always knew him to be pretty religious and then it kind of uh like on his 40th birthday they had an over the hill party for him and 
and uh, which we were talking about recently with my parents about <laughs> just like 40 how being cra- over the hill. Yeah, 40. That was, but back then it was like, oh man, you're in a lot of joke gifts of like a cane and, uh-huh. you know, like, <laughs> like preparation H and stuff like that. You're but, legally um, dead at, at 40. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the people at our church was talking about how much they respected my dad because everyone else in the church would sort of sort of fudge some of the the sins or whatever and be like, well, this it's okay to do this or yeah, I'm like, this is just a white lie or this is like breaking the law, but no one cares about, you know, it's like to the, like my mom still reports the taxes for her housekeeper, you know? Um, <laughs> and, you know, so, so like they're, they're very much like by the book people, um, my dad, and he was saying my dad would never do that. My dad was always like very hardline about everything, you know, just like very, very He was very the strict. voice that was like, no, this is right and this is wrong. And yes. everyone valued that mm. when he yes. did that. Yeah. And they were, they respected that. So, and I was like, oh, wow. I just thought he was like a strict person <laughs> at home. But I guess he's like, he's like really he into consistent. this. consistent. <laughs> yeah. But um, so so I was raised. I mean, I don't remember a time when I I didn't go to church as a kid. I mean, I think I I from you know when they took me home, basically, I was in there. You know, I some of my earliest memories I think are in the preschool of the of the church, essentially. Wow. And so I was I was raised, um, and I went to a I went to a church called I think Cypress Park Community Church in Cypress, California, uh, which is across the street from Los Los Alamitos Racetrack. Um, and, um, so I just, I grew up in the church. Uh, I remember my church when you would like sort of graduate, like from the preschool into the five-year-olds class and then into the one through sixth grade. And then it was very scary to go into the junior high class and, and, uh, into the high school. But I would, I would go there Sunday mornings from eight to 12, eight to 1230, um, and then Sunday nights from seven to to nine or so, and then Wednesday nights from sun from seven till nine nine thirty oh something my gosh. like that. In what they would call boys brigade, which was like Boy Scouts for Christians, you know, essentially where you would get <laughs> merit badges and you know like have relationships with other men and stuff like that. So I was there a lot. And then my mom was the church secretary for a while. Like I said, my dad was a deacon and he would do stuff like paint the church on the weekends and I would have to go with him. So it was, I was there a ton, a ton. And, and I, I remember, I guess, sort of being quote saved unquote, um, at a very early age at, at probably five or something. I think they, I think they would say that when you had awareness of what you were doing, that was when you could could do it. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah, the salvation of sentience principle, I guess is yeah. what that's called. So, so around five, they would say like, okay, you all are old enough now to understand what right and wrong is and what heaven and hell is, and you don't want to go to hell, do you? And, um, and so they... <laughs> There's no gummies well, in hell. <laughs> they would explain hell about how you're going to burn forever. And I, I believe I'd touched a stove once or twice at that point. So I knew what heat was. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I, I basically was saved, I think, I think at five or something like that. 
Um, and then they would say, okay, once you're saved, you're good. You know, what you were talking about, Kevin, earlier is, is you know, once you're saved, you're good. Um, and, and everyone gets a chance to be saved once before you die, even little babies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or I think they were talking, talking about how maybe there was a cutoff of like awareness of right and wrong that was well that's that's actually i was kidding about the salvation of sentience thing the the doctrine that is kind of just i guess made up in the last couple of generations is something called the age of accountability and once you reach the age of accountability if you pass away before it then you'll go to heaven and you're fine if you pass away after you are definitely going to hell yes but everyone they would they would say everyone before uh, when they hit the age of accountability, before they die, God gives them a chance and reveals the truth of how they need to be saved. Oh, that's before interesting! Then, like a final a round. Did that mean like yeah. at some point in life, God had told them, or like literally uh, on the day of death, or on the way to heaven? Lit- literally, it could be it could be eighty years, it could be one year. You know, before you die, like if you're six years old and you reach ah. the age of accountability at five, somewhere in that year, they say a five year old will wow. be be aware of the good news, be aware of uh, the fact that they can be saved, and they make a choice. And that is why, if you're a five year old, you can go to hell. <laughs> Um, is be- have you guys ever hung out with five-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try to oh. as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, I'd get that in there. Um, but oh but I remember hearing that when I was a kid and going like, this sounds like some made-up bullshit in order to like figure out a, a weird loophole or a, 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 a logic plot hole in what they're talking about, you know, because it's like, and and that was one of my first occurrences where I was like, okay, this is it's like you're bending over backwards to kind of like hmm. make your thing make sense. Right. Especially um, when there isn't a a very explicit, like quotable verse for this kind of thinking, the way they're right. sometimes with other yes. stuff too. Like yeah. this definitely is jazzing on the Bible a little bit. Well, yeah, one I've never yes. thought of too with this same thing is like what is the rule for people that have mental difficulties or... They all go to hell. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> From birth. That's a true and just God. Easy peasy one. Never no, mind. No, they, 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 I think, I think the, the theory would be like, because, because then they would bring up like, well, what about, you know, the pe- people in Africa who don't, get missionaries right. or whatever and they go they can figure out the truth from just like like a sunset you, yeah you know the wind is blowing even mm-hmm. though you can't mm-hmm. see it they know the truth and they can uh be saved with jesus or not which none of that makes sense god's just imagining grace someone revealed. yeah in west africa just like looking at a sunset one day and then putting on khaki cargo pants and being like guys can we get these chairs stacked up and we'll get, we'll get started just getting the whole thing well, you know <laughs> i mean there 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 is truth to like okay uh Who's the dude who discovered gravity? Am I why am I blanking? Newton, Olivia. I want to say Isaac Asimov, but that was a little late. Yeah. Um, But um, you know, just like looking around and going, like, okay, how does the world work? Oh, what is this? Like, why do why does this happen or whatever? And then like coming up with your own theories. But they were trying to say, no, you'll realize that it's God's son has died for you because the mechanics of it were. And and we were talking about this on my show, and I don't really understand how it works sure. still. But it's it's God is up there, and he's like, 
okay, I gave you free will, so you are sinning or you're not sinning, but boy, a few thousand years have gone by and I've made a real mess of this. I need to split myself in twain, create a son, um, and then if he gets the shit beaten out of him enough after, after proving that you can go through life without sinning, like he's going to do it. He's going to ace the test. He's going to make, he's going to prove that anyone can do this. Yes. You just have all chosen not to. Mm-hmm. Then he gets, <laughs> right. the, he gets the shit beaten out of him and gets crucified. That's going to make it, that's going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you all into heaven. If as long as you go like, well, I believe that that that's true. It's a weird story. It's so weird. And that's why it would make sense. Like you were saying, the sort of acrobatics and jumping through hoops and gymnastics that people have to do to make certain parts of it make sense where it's like, well, isn't this kind of weird and fucked up and cruel? Like the sort of I think we're all familiar with the term fan wanking. Do you all know this term? No, this I know. Is, you know, I know maybe half of it. Okay, yeah, the fan part. Uh, <laughs> the, you know what? Now I'm thinking about it, this. Might have been like, <laughs> like fucking television without pity, core circa like 2003. It's essentially when, and we're all familiar with what it is. Is that uh, when like super fans of a property, of a movie, of a television show will construct uh, a logical reason why something happened the way it did, where it's like. Oh, in season one of this, Buffy says this, and then in season six, there's something completely contradicting. Oh, okay. And then you check the forms, and it's like, well, it's actually, you know, Dawn did this, and blah, 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 and constructed So this, this is thing. like a Marvel no prize, in other words, which a, a no prize was essentially, if there was a continuity error in any of the Marvel comic books, Stan Lee would say, don't write to me and say, hey, you fucked up. Uh, true believer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, write to me and explain how it's not a continuity error through some creativity and then I'll send you a no prize. Oh, that's Ooh. genius. Yeah. And so <laughs> if anyone were to do that successfully, he would then send an envelope uh, from from Marvel that said no prize contained within and then it would be empty inside. But it was like a, a bragging rights, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was getting something from that strange man. But yeah, that's basically what so much of <laughs> theological... Yes. Uh, rationale becomes over time where it's like... Because, it, because the, the Bible, as long and boring as it is, is like there's not a lot of material there. So people have to study it and study other books and go like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I get that. Oh, but what about that? Well, if that's true, what about this? And, and it just becomes like a whole thing in of itself where it's like by the time it gets to us, it's just all this weird made-up stuff that that you know people assert is true or or at least they're out there going like i think this is true you know this makes sense to me so yeah and it's like centuries of stuff that is tradition at some point but it's presented to us as like as factual as the bible and it's not until you're like an adult and you have to kind of rehash what happened you're like oh no this wasn't there they yeah they were building on this other guy from yours and they just decided yeah we're not going to relitigate this whole situation so yeah babies at five are going to hell. Yeah. Um, and- so I I I remember being pretty young and and being in Sunday school and and I <laughs> I, I was talking about this recently remembering a a song that they would have a sing called I'm not made from a monkey. Um, <laughs> That's right. And, 
and I must have been like eight or something like this. I don't know when evolution was like really taking hold, uh, but I guess the mid seventies or whatever. But um, but it was like I'm not made from a monkey. A monkey's not made of me. Um, you won't see me swinging around on a tree or something like that. Um, and so it was really like, but but I think I think I was kind of I think I was religious. It's really interesting because I. I always kind of, even from a young age, sort of knew it was not for me that it didn't make sense, mm. right? But I, but I went to, and I was terribly bored during church. Um, but I went to it all the time, and and there were years I remember where I was like sort of trying to trying to make it make sense to me. I remember in junior high. I also had to go to summer camp and winter camp um, for a week, um, Christian summer camp and winter camp. Um, But I remember being like in eighth grade summer camp and, you know, we were at the campfire and and the youth ministers were doing their thing and singing the songs. And they they were like, you know, if you have something you're wrestling with in your life, you know, go, go off and pray about it. And I remember like praying like, this doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, help me make it make sense. At what age was this, Scott? This is like 13. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, I was wondering, like, in the in the moments when you would admit to yourself, maybe, like, I don't know if this is, like, logical or it's not as, it's not as acceptable as it seems to everybody else to be, if you felt guilty about that or if yeah, you felt upset felt about it. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. And was that something you could ever talk with your parents about or were no. they just like, no, we don't want to. My parents were very strict. They were very much like, if you deviate, if anything were to, to go wrong, which it quite often did, like it was a major hmm. crisis. Right. Right. So, so you didn't I, want to send up the flare at all. No, no. I mean, the, uh, there were enough going on where like, my best friend wrote me, he, he was two years older than me. So he went to college. Um, uh, when I was a, uh, a junior mm-hmm. and, uh, we would write letters to each other just filled with like inside jokes that we had, you know, like, uh, from our friendship, you know? And I remember one of them was, I think about onion soup. I forget exactly why one of us made a joke about onion soup or something like that. And I remember they found the letter and like had a big, big, like sit down, you're in trouble are you gay? Oh. Um, you're in theater, so we think you're gay. <gasps> what is this letter from a from a man talking oh, about onion God. soup? What is onion soup? I'm like, it's a job. I don't even remember what they it is. They thought now, onion I, soup was like street slang for something foul. For something, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't onion soup until the fourth or fifth date myself. <laughs> and ladies, that is, a, that is a, a rule for us all to follow. Don't give that man the soup, the <laughs> no, onion soup, until the fourth date. <laughs> Okay. That is so wild. Like, oh my gosh. That it was must have been and, so and it, devastating. It, it was like a four hour, like, we're going to sit here until you tell us the truth. Ooh. And I'm just like stunned and not talking and just glaring at them. Ooh. And oh my I, I think at one point I was like, bring a girl in here right now. I'll have sex with her. <laughs> 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 um, which didn't endear me to them. But so it was a lot of that. Like, I, they found Bartles oh. and James bottles in my 
closet, mm. um, which I was trying to figure out how to get out of my closet after drinking them into the trash can without them noticing. And then I went to summer camp for a week and in for the middle that. of summer camp, I was like, oh shit, the bottles are there. And of course they rifled through my entire room while I was gone. Ooh. Oh, your parents um, had bad boundaries is what we're learning. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to ever say like, Hey, this is, you know, I'm having doubts about anything. Mm. They just like, all they really cared about was I went there and seemed like a good Christian, but I would do stuff like, I remember there was a, a sermon that one of our youth ministers gave at summer camp about the story of David and Goliath. And he had done like a lot of research about David and Goliath, like factual research and, and put a lot of comedy into it or whatever. Like, and and by the way, I was a guy who had like memorized Bill Cosby's himself album and, you know, and would do it, you know, and stuff like that, which um, I don't know what's worse. Evergreen. Me, me doing the sermon or the, <laughs> the Bill Cosby <laughs> thing. Yeah. But, but it was all about how like all the facts about how like Goliath was this much tall and his spear was like picking up a car axle. It was as big as a car axle. Like all this stuff, which now I kind of go like, why? How do you think how you know would you all this know stuff? That? Yes, uh. but they had done research into the into the historical era or whatever, you know. But it was filled with a lot of comedy and stuff like that. And I remember I like at fourteen, I think, did that sermon. Like basically, did everything I could remember of that sermon for the for the uh, like either junior hires or the first through sixth grade, oh. and everyone loved it. And people were like, "You have a big future in this. You have a Whoa. big future as a youth." you know, minister. And then, and my friends, when I was 14, there were these older guys, they were our youth pastors and they went to Biola, which is a Christian college, um, not too far from where I grew up. And so, and they would like, you know, there was a group of us, they would come from their college uh, pick us up in their car, do fun shit with us. They were in a band that was like, it was almost like a U2 cover band. I remember I went to go see them play in like regular clubs. They mm-hmm. were called the Innocents. Um, <laughs> they sound cool. And I, I looked up to those guys. And I was like, these guys are cool. They're Christians, but they're cool. Um, it can be done. It can be done. <laughs> and they were like very supportive. And I remember I, I sang at one of their weddings and I remember having like some of these the- theological questions with him. And he was like, you're really smart. You're You're very, very smart. And these are like, advanced questions that not a lot of people ask, you know, and he was trying to make sense of it and all that. He mm-hmm. just passed away. I heard. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say four, 13, 14, those were my prime, like struggling years where I was kind of trying to figure it out. And then probably 15, 16, 17, 18, I'm still, I get into singing and I get into music. And so, mm-hmm. I then <clears throat> start at the to church do, or just generally in in uh, uh, drama, high school okay, drama okay. and choir, musical theater stuff, choir stuff. Yes, gotcha. and so then I befriend like the musical director at church, and so I would still like sing on Sundays, like do you know solos and stuff that we would work out, mm-hmm. and you know, so I was still up till like nineteen. Scott, yeah, up till like nineteen or twenty, I was still expected. By the way, I I because, until I was twenty. My first two years of college, I still lived at home, so they expected that I still had to go. They were like, if you're living here, you're going to church with us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I was like- Still three times a week? 
Uh, that was only twice on su- on oh. Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday nights. Sometimes really I could get out it. of the Sunday nights and <laughs> just go, look, I just can't do this. Um, but I was like sn- snoring, snoozing in, in church, Ooh. like head in my hands, oh my you know, like passed out, falling asleep. Um, but until I was 20 and I left for, I moved away to a different college, I still was going there, still singing occasionally. Um, all the all the while being like, yeah, I don't believe any of this really anymore. Wow. Oh, man, that must have been hard. I mean, it's nice to have the outlet to do the creative things you like to do, but then to kind of be uh, like acting a little bit for your parents, for all these people yeah. you're volunteering with and stuff. And it's and I'm sure you didn't want to be that way. No, but I knew I was just going to be like, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was 15, I was. Um, I was really into drama, and so um, in the summer, I heard a, there were auditions for this Christian musical that I had actually seen when I was 14 at, uh, weirdly enough, I think Irvine Meadows, or the Pacific Amphitheater or Irvine Meadows, I think. It was, like, free for, to go, and so, like, cr- people from churches all over went. It was called High Tops, and it was a Christian musical, oh, yeah. but it was, like, aimed yeah, at kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was about... Like cool kids in high school who wore high tops, and then angels who come down from heaven and act and and take over the or uh, uh, become human and 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 uh, you know in the guise of teenagers in this high school to like help the kids out with their problems, right? Ah, yes. And so. I was in this, I auditioned for it, and because I'd seen it, it was like filled with comedy, like I auditioned for the kind of comedic role in it, and I got it. And But it was put on by the Catholic diocese, where there was a lot of overlap with Catholicism and Christianity in, in a way in that area, and it was very, very similar. So the Catholic diocese felt good about putting on this like Christian musical, but my friend who was in it, who was a couple years older than me and would like pick me up for rehearsals in his car and then just like blast David Lee Roth and, and run DMC. Um, he, he was basically viewed as someone who was a, who they started to see that he didn't truly believe. And so they asked after rehearsal, they were like, Hey, stick around for a second, Dave. And they all like then laid hands on him (sighs) And prayed over him and all this. And afterwards, he was like, that was some weird shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> they didn't even tell, ask him, like, hey, just checking in. They just like, no, they were like, you have a problem. You. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. And so I always knew that if I, if I were to ever be like, hey, guys, uh, mom and dad, this is like, I, these are the thoughts I'm having. It would be like, okay, now you have to go to church more. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. it, sounds like, solution. it sounds like the only figure that was kind of like that was one of your youth ministers who at least responded to you with the way of like, hey, you know what? That's kind of tough and you're really and smart. And, yeah. yeah. Like, and, yeah, and, these are these are interesting questions, interesting, weird philosophical questions mm-hmm. that not a lot of people ask. I mean, here's what I think about it. And it wasn't judgmental of like, oh, no. Yeah, right. one of our one of our chosen flock is slipping away. We need to, yeah, just giving um, you a little space. Yeah, I mean, there. I, I remember uh, my my church. Um, at a certain point, I think around when I was fifteen or so, they excommunicated someone, which I'd never heard of that Whoa. happening. And um, 
divorced because it wasn't like it wasn't like a communicated like yeah, I it wasn't like Protestant a, churches even like really did that <laughs> I mean I know they maybe like won't allow someone to be a member <laughs> so what what happened was they were like look if anyone is a sinner and knows they're a sinner and asks forgiveness we they're welcome here but this member who's been here forever got divorced and does not feel like their divorce was a mistake. Whoa. And so we have to excommunicate him. And it was a big thing where it was like, it was a surprise to everybody. It was like, okay, that's our sermon, but wait, we want all the members to stick around. And then I witnessed this whole thing where it was like, okay, you're not welcome here anymore. Wait, the member was there? I think he was there. He was either there or they were talking about him saying like, this is what we had to do and why we oh had to do gosh. it. And they took hands off of him. Instead of like <laughs> yeah. him. <laughs> no more sweaty hands for you. Sorry. No more hands on a hard body for miss you. Him. <laughs> so it, it, it was very oh, much God. like, oh man, this is trouble. Especially with my dad. It would be like, this, this is trouble if, once I got to an age where like when I was 20 or 21, um, then I was... I felt like I was adult enough to to like let them in on certain stuff of like, mm-hmm. hey, I have a girlfriend that I'm moving across the country to go live with, you know, stuff like that. And then then my dad, instead of flipping out, he would he was like, hey, let's go to breakfast before you go. And then had a big, long like conversation about how it's wrong and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and but without without a big like. He knew that there it was my choice at that point, you know, whereas up till 20 or so, it was not my choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like also a lot of the stuff you're describing at your church um, reminds me of uh, how at the time, and I, I don't know how, like, to the degree, like, they were still worried about this, but there was so much concern about, like, teenagers succumbing to the world and all this bad stuff happening to them. And so if a teenager started to express doubt, it wasn't because they were thinking about it or they had their own reasons. It was because like Satan or culture had like gotten their hands on them. And so it was, it was an emergency to Mm -hmm. like cut them off from Satan as soon as possible before they got in a really bad place that, which maybe some kids had gotten there, but because rather than like recognizing this is a teenager who's like being a teenager and we can, we can talk with them. No, it, it was a lot of the pop culture stuff was really tough because um, they would look through my record albums, you know, like I remember I, I believe I ordered Prince's Purple Rain when I was 14 from the record club and they were like, Aww. no, you are not. <laughs> um, and they put the kibosh on that. I remember I bought Frankie Goes to Hollywood's album and even me as a guy who was like, I'm not sure if I believe religion was surprised by the like amount of uh, penises that were <laughs> in, on the on the sleeve and everything and, and the lyrics and everything. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, and I remember them coming in and finding it and me going like, oh, no, no, I bought this because I liked the music, but I'm throwing this away. This is I don't stand and, by, by this. By the way, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, but um but but and then I remember like I was I was really into um, art and wanted to be a comic book artist and I remember drawing like a sort of like uh, devil horned devil kind of guy which um, there's a lot of you know monsters or whatever like bad guys or horned devil kind of guys and I remember drawing doodling that and my mom seeing it and be, being like 
Why would you draw something like that? Where did you right. learn this? Is this what you think you look like? Is this what you <laughs> see in the mirrors? And I was like, it's from a comic book. And they're like, well, we need to go through your comic collection and prune wow. stuff like this. Oh, you know, so it, they they were, I mean, it was very, very much like pop culture stuff will tempt you away from from this life, you know, so. so Right, which I think it's probably emblematic of like, geographically where you were in the time especially because this is the 80s right like yeah mid, this, at 80s. this point it's the 80s yeah the now i think there's like such a thirst at least from the mainstream evangelical church that instead of making it sort of like an oppositional we are the church and then there's the outside world and don't let that in now it feels like the strategy is to fold in all of those things to make it about God. Like there's almost like a religious narcissism of, yeah, you know what? You love Frankie goes to Hollywood. Isn't that a great example of sin and the fall of blah, blah, blah. And it like, it's a beautiful reminder of why we need Jesus. Like that seems to be more the text now. Interesting. But but yeah, what what you're describing was definitely the, the kind of game, the, the game plan back then. Yeah. Well, uh, another example is, and this I think is, I think I think it led to a lot of I mean like personal trauma for my family but uh psychiatry was viewed as sinful mm-hmm. right in a way so uh if, if any of us were having any problems it would be like well okay if we have to we'll send you to a christian therapist right. who will listen to your problems and then tell you how god can solve them you know, which uh, doesn't really work. <laughs> and, Turns out, um, you know. So and it, and I, you you know, what's interesting is, is I feel like my parents have, they still go to church when they can. Obviously, the pandemic has upended that. But I think my mom still tries to watch the live stream and stuff like that. But they just don't seem as insane about it anymore. Mm. Um, and I think they recognize, you know, that therapy is probably good like nowadays they wouldn't have a problem with it um you know i think they probably think that being gay is probably bad technically but they're fine to watch you know gay people on tv or queer eye and stuff like that and so who knows what they think about it now um but well yeah and but there back must be then a sense, it was an, it was an issue yeah well, there must be a sense too for your parents where after this much time has passed and even with just you and your own personal life as their son and the, the time that there's been, there's a way where it's like, well, it didn't work. And we kind of lost in a way. And maybe they're not maybe. thinking about it in like that binary of a way, but just in the sense of like there, it has to be sort of um, puncturing to a worldview on a long enough time frame of like 40 something years of like, well, it's very, it's very difficult to grow up and feel like you are, ultimately go, a, a disappointment to your parents. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and no, even, even though the one on the one hand, they're proud of me and the fact that I've been able to make, you know, a successful life in my chosen field, but to know essentially that they are going to live their days while truly believing that, they're not going to see me in heaven in the afterlife is a difficult thing to, and to, to sort of shoulder, you know? So, and it, and it took up so much of my sort of mental space for a while through 
maybe up till 30, 31 or something like that, where it was like, you know, I wouldn't let them into my life, really. I wouldn't, you know, I still sort of do it in a way. Like my mom the other day was like, I think I found one of your podcasts online or people talking about your podcast or something. I'm like, sorry. And she's like, yeah, I know. And that was like all we talked about. Oh. I mean, they, they still don't even really know what I do or whatever. Although my mom, she loved the Comedy Bang Bang television show. She had them all on her DVR oh. recorded and was like, I'm running out of space. Oh, that's But sweet. I don't ever want to lose your shows and stuff. So, but But it is very difficult. It's like a massive guilt trip to give your kids to basically be like, I'm going to die disappointed in you. You know, which is is difficult. Yeah, or or even just disappointed and deeply sad, thinking that like you're going to be gone and we'll be up there without you, which to right. you is not an issue. And and you like I I think about also for all of our parents who were at the church at the time too, like that the 80s and the 90s and all that stuff, like they were getting such intense messaging about how to be a good parent. And like their number one job was to have a bunch of kids and make sure that they were all Christian by the time they were 18. You know, like that was that was their like role as well. Mm. And that's like, that's a huge burden they were carrying as well, you know? And so it probably like heightened stuff, like dumb stuff like you were talking about. The 80s were were a big... I mean, the, the, the church, I don't think, has ever been as popular as it was in the 80s. Maybe the 90s, I don't know. But the 80s, it was like everyone was expected to sort of go to church, you know. And um, everyone who's in politics had to be a Christian. And, you know, I remember my health, or not my health teacher, but my history teacher talking about how there will never be, not because he didn't want there to be, but he was like, there will never be a president of the United States who's not a straight white man who is a Christian. Um, and even Obama had to say he was a Christian in order to get elected, you know? So all the way up to 2008, it was still important. It's so crazy how it's just not important to anyone anymore. Um, and But but back in the 80s, it was, it was so important to people. And there was, you know, the PMRC, which Tipper Gore started, weirdly enough, you know, which was all about putting, you know, uh, ratings on albums. And, you know, oh, right. it, there was such a concern for like our children's, pop, you know, heavy metal. My, my brother was super into heavy metal and that was a big concern. And he smoked pot. The, like the two horrible things, Straight heavy metal hell. and smoking pot, <laughs> you know, and, and it was a big, big issue you know and it's like it's so much i i I feel like it would be so much easier to not have that control your life and your relationship with your children but it's it's a weird mental trick that so many people and and look that church that i went to was so fucked up where like you know after i leave i'll hear stuff about how like one of the deacons who's like six years older than me was having was married and having an affair with one of my classmates the entire time and having sex in the church all the time. Um, But because he acknowledged it in front of the entire church and said he'd sinned, he's still there and still like one of the leaders of the church and shit like that. And, um, and just stuff like that, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just a, uh, uh, yeah, it's a strange, strange place. (laughs) Yeah. But not atypical in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I nope. mean, when I heard about that uh, that that list that they 
just came out with of uh, oh, you know the all SBC the section thing. The yeah. Thing, yeah, yeah exactly it's just like well finally it's 2022 you know we're finally getting on the ball with that <laughs> yeah yeah because they were bad. forced to you know like yeah well. exactly oh yeah with the with the parenthood stuff and and even like yeah, just kind of speaking to what Caroline's saying about parents doing their best. And if Dr. James Dobson said, I don't know, spank the shit out of them so they'll be good forever. Like it was. Mm-hmm. It focus was, on the family's butts as yeah. you spank yeah, them. Focus on the butts, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like it was he, a, I heard a lot about him all the time. Yeah, Do- were you, Dr. James were you Dobson. Spanked chi- are we all spanked childs all here? All Dobby. <laughs> yeah, and the belt and stuff like that. But I, I didn't feel like it was overly. <clears throat> Like it wasn't all the time or whatever. It wasn't. It was like, I, I don't feel. I don't feel like I was a beaten child or anything like that. I right. think it, it was more of a mental thing. Yeah. Honestly, I think. I think the maybe uh, not to overstate it, but maybe kind of the grief that is a little bit of an access point for people that don't share the same religious background at all, but then have like disparateness or gaps with their family in terms of worldview and whatnot. And just the amount of people that are like, yeah, I had a big falling out with my dad during the George Floyd protests two years ago, where it's like, if you can't, as you couldn't, Scott, and as we all have at various points, if you cannot agree on reality as a as a base point for like, we are living in this same world and the world is this, and it's made of these materials. If, if the person across right. from you can't say like, yes, I affirm that we live in this world. If it's like, I don't know, do we? Is this really the world or is it have it? Like, then it's right. hard to find, because there will always be in human relationship interaction, I'm disappointed you did this or I had this expectation or I hurt you on purpose or accident or blah, blah, blah. But like not being able to share reality is very painful. Uh, especially when it's people that genuinely have love for each other in some well, ways. Well, I, I, I think that it it's tough to, I, I feel like you should, if you have children, it's like, you know, their whatever religion they choose should be about as important to you as whatever job they choose or whatever, you know? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you became Jewish? Oh, cool. You know, right, like, like, are you happy? Is it, is it working yeah. for you? You know, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, but, but it's, but, but that's, and I, I don't think it's unique to Christianity, but it just feels very oppressive about, um, especially about, you know, born again Baptists of, of, of like, no, everyone else is going to be tormented throughout eternity. You need, this is a, a, an emergency. Yeah, the you need to, are so high. Yeah. No, but, but to their credit, they don't, uh, they don't hit me with it anymore. Which I think after it it it, be, it took up so much of my headspace of like, am I you know when I got on to the sketch show Mr. Show which had a lot of curses you know it's like, oh man are they not going to be proud of me are they you know and my, I remember my father watched one episode and was like yeah I watched one um, I'm never going to watch it again oh. um, you know <laughs> yeah, <that's painful. laughs> um, yeah. You know, so it was just like, but it, but it was like, am I doing the right, you know, it, it suck. I, this is what I'm happy doing, but I can't really share my happiness with them because they hate it so much, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it took up so much of my, my headspace until finally at like in my thirties, I was like, I don't give a shit anymore. And they don't, they don't bother me with it anymore. Like, you know, we can talk about the fact that my mom, you know, watch, watches church without her going like, what about you? Or you, you know, it's right. like at a certain point, my mom stopped saying, Hey, you should go back to college. 
uh, <laughs> around the same time that she was like <laughs> stopping asking me about church as well. Yeah. It, I remember, I think she asked me about that when I was 35. She's like, you ever going to go back to college? Wow. I was like, I'm a successful Hollywood like screenwriter. She's like, yeah, but do you know everything about English? <laughs> you know, oh, God. why not get a degree just as a backup? Just you know? That would be, yeah, that would be fun. Uh, but <laughs> it would be kind of fun to go back to college. Yeah, it'd be cute. I feel um, like it's so much better to go to college when you're in your 30s because you're like not. You have the stamina for it. You got the stamina and you actually can kind of understand what's going on and you maybe, I don't know, could be friends. Although I think professor. I could do like a Rodney Dangerfield back to school kind of thing Hell as yeah. an old man. Hell <laughs> yeah. Like do the triple indie off that's, the high That's board. what's next for you. I don't know. And I, I do respect people that continue to take some sort of class even into their like yeah. 30s, 40s, 50s, I've 60s. looked up community college classes here and there going like, God, I wish I knew more about history or whatever. And then it just seems so... Doing the homework, I think, is the issue for mm. me. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can get an it's F like, on the class, you know? Yeah, it's just true. So took it. Yeah, who's ever going to see? <laughs> yeah, who gives a shit? I guess like, I, I roll up to Paramount for a general meeting. They're, they have my transcript, and they're like, well, you just got to have an history. In art history, so we don't want you here. <laughs> I no. failed art history twice in college. Is that true? I, fa- I failed it when I was 18, and I'm like, I'm going to take this again, because I, I like it. But I, I just don't art. like doing the homework yeah. uh, and failed it, failed it again because yeah. I just never did any of the homework. <laughs> I guess not to not to put too fine a bow on that part of the conversation, but it feels like, especially the older we get, if the best case scenario is not legitimate compromise of belief and worldview and love, where it's like, you know what? I, like, like a deprioritization of the ideology that's like, that someone is made more important than their child or their parent or whatever the case may be, that there is like, it's sad to think about, but I guess the best case scenario is a sort of resignation in kindness of like, there's going to be a sort of truce here where we're just simply maybe going to avoid it in some context and not be an active opposition to each other. I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, I was, I when, when um, I was thinking about, that doing this show, I was kind of thinking about these issues and thinking about religion. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't even really think I live my life all that different than a Christian does. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm married. uh, I don't cheat on my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a relatively like, I think I'm as good as any Christian, like in terms of being nice to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Given your opinion regularly. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really break the law. All, I don't think. Now, this is you an know? interesting limits test of some sort of game show format of like, not are you smarter than a fifth grader? Are you more virtuous than a Christian? Yeah, and it can be any of I, them. I think I'm pretty good in yeah. terms. Like, I think I would hold up if I were to go to if I just had that switch of like, oh, and by the way, it's all due to the big guy upstairs. <laughs> Everyone would be like, yeah, that sounds about That's right. That's the only difference. <laughs> so it's kind of like, well, maybe maybe my parents see that and go like, hey, that's cool or whatever. But I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. We may, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come up. 
ever again. <laughs> well, and we may not find out on this side of eternity, but maybe on the next. And we know that they don't know what a podcast is if they're not listening to me That's <laughs> talk about this. So. And we're not going to print out the transcript and send it to them, I promise. <laughs> we will not do that because they okay. can read it. We'll send it, it to really your pastor. It really sounds like you are going to. No, we're saying we're not going to do that. We haven't looked up their hmm. address and the state All that right. they live in. It's not going to happen is what we're promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scott, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and honestly being so vulnerable about it and very generous with oh with my pleasure that stuff let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good christian fun welcome to fail better david duchovny's new podcast with lemonada media on fail better david who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life explores the vast world of failure how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Before we talk about Steve <laughs> what <Taylor>. was that? <laughs> Wait, that wasn't normal? Do you, you, you don't want us to just breeze past it? Uh, that was, of course, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who was uh, one of the primary, yes. I don't know, contemporary Christian singer-songwriter yes, boys. I know who it is, yeah. You know yeah. And he came out with a song called Dive in 1999. And, okay. and we use that drop to this day whenever we dive into something. And Great. Little did he know that the purpose of that song would be a podcast would, transition. Yeah. yeah. Have any of the people or artists, pop culture artists that you've talked about reached out to you about the show? Oh, sure. Yeah. Kirk Franklin was on the show. Amy Grant was on yeah, the show. We interviewed. We, oh, wow. we haven't gotten ever like a nasty like, hey, we don't like that you talked about me because I think they're too busy living their lives um, to listen to this show. <laughs> I've seen a few tweets. Also, what is a podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True, that's probably a Is part it something of that. that Conan O'Brien has done? Well, then I don't know what <laughs> it well, is. Well, that's the office ladies thing, right? Right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of Christian pop culture in general, before we talk about Steve Taylor, Scott, what was generally your relationship with it? You said the peak of your Christian powers or of your doubt and faith and stuff of faith was 13, 14 years old. So that puts you squarely in the eighties. What was the stuff you were listening to and consuming at that time? Okay. So like I said, my friends were in this U2 inspired band the called The Innocents. We couldn't so, forget. And they were, they talked about how like U2 is amazing. They had seen them. They're Christians like you, like we are, but they're cool. So that was a big, a big thing. Um, but then, um, so Christian music back in like 83 um, was pretty lame um, in a lot of ways. Not like it is now. It was different <laughs> back then in how lame it was. It's a lot better now. My friends in the Vandals, the band the Vandals, mm-hmm. um, 
SoCal punk band. They have a song called Christian or Canadian. And I was like, what does that mean? And it was all about listening to the radio on tour and hearing hearing a, a song would come on and it wouldn't be quite right. It wouldn't have the right sound. It wouldn't be. It would be produced where it sounded like it was three years old or something. And they would be like, "Is this a Christian song or a Canadian song?" Because like when you're <laughs> when you're traveling in Canada, their Canadian content rules are like. 10% of the music that they have to play on every radio station has to be Canadian. I didn't know that at all. That's so funny. Um, really? That's yeah. so cute. So when like Bare Naked Ladies would come come along and have hits, they'd be like, oh, thank God we can get rid of our <laughs> you know Canadian content laws with this. But because they're so proud of like they, they're like, like when you go tour Canada, you have to prove why you are doing something that a Canadian couldn't just do your themselves. You know what I mean? Like they're like, so why are you doing this and not a Canadian person? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, wow. Well, that's a high bar a threshold to clear. I feel like, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting country, but I mean, they're just very proud of Canadians and want them to shine. You know what yes. I mean? So, so, but um, in any case, yeah, Christian music, I would I would see local like those those cool youth pastor guys would take us to like local Orange County Christian punk bands in a way. I remember one was called 441 which um was like four guys for one. Hell yeah. Um, Cute. Yeah. That. And they and they and they were like the closest to like oh this is kind of like actual good music in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's not a compromise uh, for me. But I, I, I did go see, um, and this, you know, has a relationship to Steve Taylor. But Steve Taylor was um, the closest to an actual, like, actual good music. I think, like the way it was produced. He was at, his first couple of records are new wave. Um, and it sounded like real new wave mm-hmm. and not fake new wave or not new wave or not like, you know, everything that you would listen to, like Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and everything, it was produced like it was five years or, or so ago, you know? Right. So, so when I went, I went to Knott's Berry Farm when I was 13 um, because I loved Steve Taylor and they were having a Christian music festival across the entire park because there were a lot of places that a band could play in the whole park. Mm. Like there's the place where if you ever go there during the Halloween haunt, there's the, where the hang, the hangman show is. There was studio K, which was like a little dance club at the time. There's like the big sort of not huge amphitheater, but where they would put on, like I saw Beatlemania there once. And, and um, so there were a lot of little places for, and so it was like the largest collection of like Christian music, um, that I'd ever heard of. And I remember Michael W. Smith played, Amy Grant played. I saw them. Striper played. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and Steve Taylor was there and he was like in studio. K, The kind of more like club (laughs) kind of place. Awesome. And I remember taking my girlfriend, um, that I was dating and she was like, by the way, Kevin, she was really into Bruce Springsteen who I thought was kind of square. At the time, um, at the oh, time, yeah. this is this is eighty four. So I think Born in the USA had just come out, Look and she was at. like, "I'm going to see Springsteen like every night when he's out here." Um, and oh, yeah. she was really into X, 
and uh, who those were her two main X and Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen she's super yeah. into, yeah. So, and I was like, I liked, you know, I don't know, whatever, Huey Lewis in the news and stuff. But I was also like, I like this guy, Steve Taylor, who's this Christian <laughs> rock guy. And she went with me to this thing. And I remember her coming out of the show going like, yeah, he is good. Like I had actually, you know, wow, won you made her. made a convert. Yeah, well, made he, a convert. She was like, He did have the reputation kind, for being a good live performer at the time. That was something that I was saw him about. three times that I can recall. Oh I saw him open for Petra mm-hmm. at the Universal Amphitheater. That's fine. And I thought Petra, Petra was like Christian music to me where it was like, okay, it's 1983 or 1984. And they sound like they're... Trying to be Journey from 1978. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like kind of corny. It takes a little time. Yeah. It's a different time loop (laughs) that all this stuff gets stuck in. And then I saw him at that that festival, and then I saw him with Sheila Walsh um, doing a sort of co-headlining tour. Mm. Um, But, yeah, he he was very much like... I think that I I must have come across him because occasionally on my like little twelve inch black and white TV that my dad ultimately ended up buying because I begged him on my birthday because he had done away with the TV a few years earlier. Um, wow. I I would sometimes tune into KDOC, which is this um, local uh, public television channel here in Orange in down in Orange County, mm-hmm. and they would. Um, I think it was KDOC or it was whatever channel it was. And they would show, they would have, they had a Christian music video, uh, like MTV kind of show that they they would show Christian music videos for an hour and they would play U2 on it. And, and I think I came across Steve Taylor because they played the Meltdown video, which was like a big kind of video. It was played on MTV. Yeah. Um, the story goes is that he emptied his life savings to, finance the the video the video so and that Lisa, he would get airplay on mtv the Madame Lisa welchel from facts of life is in it blair warner herself as the yeah. newscaster gal who had a little wow. christian pop career of her own actually right had a few and it, it was comedic it like had a lot of like visual jokes in it it wasn't it wasn't like a lot of early 80s music videos where they set up shop at like a public access station and just kind of like mm-hmm. danced around it had a story it, it was um, and it was funny, I thought, and it actually sounded like real new wave mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me. That was the important thing. Like the music was actually good. So I picked up the record um, as well as his first EP and really loved him. I thought like the the music was not only really good, but he his point of view, I thought, was a lot like what I was going through, where it was questioning the church in a lot of ways. Um, some of his biggest songs were like, um, we don't need no color code, which is all about the Southern Baptist universities who only accepted white students. Yes. Um, he had a lot of songs about Jimmy Swaggart, um, and what an asshole he is. Um, and to, to, I think he had three songs about Jimmy Swagger to the extent that Jimmy Swagger wrote a chapter of his book about him. He did. He devoted a chapter of one of his books to saying why Steve Taylor sucks and it's not actually godly <laughs> Christian music right. that he's making because he was taking him down. A little bit. Um, there was uh, I Want to Be a Clone was one of his songs, which was about basically like it was a Devo t- style song about 
how a guy going, okay, I've joined the church and uh, how am I supposed to act? And everyone at the church saying like, you have to act exactly like all of us um, in order to be a real Christian. Album of the same name. I want to be a clone. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, it, and it was all about like how oppressive the church was in trying to say like, "Hey, you need to act like everyone else." And he's like, "No, I'm a different kind mm-hmm. of guy, and I'm and I think rock music's okay, and I think you know." So it was it was really speaking to me on on those levels. And there was a lot of comedy in his records. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's a song called I, "Am I in Sync." which basically starts with like a little sketch of the engineer uh, saying, hey, okay, here's the synthesizer, program the synthesizer parts. Um, and music, he's like, music is my life. So yeah, I got this covered. <laughs> and then the, the synthesizer slowly as the song progresses goes out of sync mm-hmm. um, and slows down. And he's like, oh, what's going on, man? What's, uh, what's happening, you know? So there's there's a lot of comedy in his in his records and a lot of like questioning. Hey, this church stuff, uh, at least the mainstream church stuff, is is really weird, you know. And I don't really feel like it's it's my bag, you know. So what do I do about it? Which which was kind of speaking to me at the time. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing that's always <laughs> unfortunately very novel in a lot of this music when we talk about it is anyone with a perspective at all. And he obviously had such a clear one and he was labeled from a very early time in his career as someone, not not a weird Al sort, but someone who would use like the tools of satire or parody or like parodic elements for songwriting purposes, which no one else was really doing and no one's really done since in that widespread of a way. And He's the way very sarcastic, mm-hmm. very... But but also just like taking like there's one song that he did called I Blew Up the Clinic Real Good, which um got his album banned from Christian stores mm-hmm. because it was talking about like, hey, you're an anti abortion per your person. You think abortion is a sin, but then you're going and blowing up abortion clinics. You're murdering people. Like what what's that about? You're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And um, that got him banned from like Christian, you know, stores <laughs> yeah, and stuff well, like that. Yeah, I think people took it literally too, or like didn't understand that he was poking at it. Yeah, it, that was a, a lot. A lot of times in his songs, he would take over a character of a of a person who's dumb, <laughs> dumb, <guy>. or <laughs> or someone that he thought had a ridiculous point of view, and he would sing, you know, and and point out like, "Hey, this is stupid, right?" But yeah, people thought he was being serious, and so yeah. it was using sarcasm um, and using actual uh good good music his his third or his second like real record on the fritz he uh i believe someone from foreigner produced it it was like real real session musicians you know so it still sounded it sounded like a real record that you could wouldn't be embarrassed to listen to in in front of your friends other than the fact that the lyrics are um i remember once one of his songs called hero um yeah, from I sang this it, mm-hmm. yeah i sang it in choir because we all had to pick a song so everyone everyone imagine at home a young scott with all the sincerity Taking in the, the world mic. and his voice coming up how old were you at the time i was 15 15 and I, somehow i had the sheet I, I had the steve taylor i loved anything steve taylor so i bought the sheet music mm-hmm. 
Um, and my choir teacher, who was this really uh, nice uh, Asian gay person who was also religious, um, was like, is that a Christian song at the end of it? Because it's, it's very... It, it, it obscures what it's saying. That was the other thing I liked about Steve Taylor was a lot of his songs are not overtly Christian. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're mysterious. The lyrics are mysterious enough that you could listen to it and, and still feel like, okay, I'm not sitting there listening to El Shaddai or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, so I remember singing that and him going, is that a Christian song? And me going like, yeah, yeah. And him going cool or whatever, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. he was, he was Christian. Anyway. So I, I just, that's what I really, really appreciated about him. And he was an incredible performer. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I you know, mm-hmm. he just put on really, really good live shows and he had a crack band. Yeah. Impressive. And on this, on this album on meltdown, which we all listened to the songs are kind of split between him sort of, eviscerating a particular issue they are issue oriented songs or a particular yeah. topic whether it's hypocrites that he would find in the church jimmy swagger televangelist types or uh the funniest one to me was a song about the media neutrality and portrayal of christians oh boy in the press. that one I, wow. I was i was listening to that today just going like so this is essentially fake news this the prequel kind of mm-hmm. yeah in a way but it, it's it's basically him going like Hey, all of you guys control the news, and you won't ever do a, a news story about Christians unless it's about us being crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's There's like no it's flattering like, Christian stories out there. It's like have Matt Damon watched, saying, "What about all the men that don't rape people? Why can't yeah. we yeah. talk about them?" <laughs> but have you have you ever watched the news? It's never about anything positive. That, good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. it's but, not exactly the, like let's prop up this good player. But then there was one. Um, that was about, oh, Guilty by Association, mm-hmm. which was about um, kind of going like, hey, which a lot of people at my church felt this way is, is like, like I worked at a Christian yogurt shop when I was 15 that our church friends Come gave on. me the job. What was the name? Was what was like, the name of the shop? Mana Station. Hell yeah. Um, Mana Station. <laughs> yeah. So that's so great. And it was basically like Christian greeting cards and then yogurt, you know, which was like really big at the time. Um, But, but everyone at my church kind of felt like, okay, if you go get your car and they would, the, the preachers would talk about this. If you go get your car worked on, go to a Christian, Um, right? you know, you got to support other Christian businesses. And I think that song, uh, guilty by association is basically going like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> um, you know, which uh, is like that, that point of view really appealed to me that, that he was doing. Now, the other songs about the one you mentioned about uh, whatever happened to sin, where it's like, uh, he's talking about certain preachers who are more forgiving of yes. gay people. And uh, what's the, uh, what's the first verse about? It's uh, I can't, it's, I know the second verse is about like, Hey, so you're a preacher who says, "Hey, being gay might be okay." Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-uh, right. it's a sin. He's like, "Tell that to the tell that to the people in Sodom and Gomorrah." Yes, there's that. The first verse is, of course, about abortion, and that abortion's okay. Yes. Well, whatever Ab- happened to sin? Um, why, yeah, why aren't like we calling a sin a sin? Yes, that stuff uh, is unfortunate. I think, and I and I wonder how he feels about it now. I really do. I. I wonder. I, I. I. Sometimes I look up his Wikipedia and wonder, like, 
what's going on with Steve Taylor? You <laughs> hey, know, what's like, going did, on? Did he, because, you know, after, after his kind of 80s solo success, he then was in this alternative uh, band called Cheval Guevara um, that had uh, a little bit of success. There, one of their songs was on the Pump Up the Volume soundtrack, mm-hmm. and um, one of their singles was played on MTV similarly. And they were, and it was a lot like um, Jars of Clay or whatever, where it was like you could couldn't even really pick out what they were talking about, you know. So it was, it just sounded like alternative music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he started a record label that basically had you know a ton of success with. Um, Sixpence, none the richer. Yeah, Squint Records, the Chevelle yeah. was on that as well. I think most of uh, the people that listen to this show just because of the demo and and people having grown up a lot in the '90s would know him most as one of the co-songwriters behind a lot of Newsboys songs, right, who I've never heard of, but <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a big thing of like he he wrote and produced a lot of Newsboys songs, mm-hmm. right. Um, but I, I really, wow. he was so, he was so questioning of everything. I really wonder, like, now forty years on, what is, what does he question now? You know what I mean? Like, how, what's his relationship now? It's very, it's hard to find out. There aren't like interviews with him recently and stuff. So I, I, I know, really I'm so worried. I feel like, especially with how things are now, that. It's like he if he sees himself entrenched. as counterculture or always has been, like which culture do you think he's going to choose to to land on the side of now? I don't know. It's I such mean, a I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting position to occupy because someone who's advocating, "Hey, don't uh enact violence uh, against abortion providers." Hell yeah, great. Because if we're pro-life, we need to go a different way. Oh, okay. Uh, like that's... Right. And like, I hate fascists, but also like the media is controlling the weather, you know? Like it, yeah. it, it's very sad that it's such moderate rebellion. Do you know what I'm saying? Where like all mm. of his sort of like pushback with, with all these things of like televangelists are bad. Where it's like, yeah. We Everyone kind of knew that in the '80s, so it's not the strongest stance, you know. Right. And, but but at the same time, when I you know I'm I'm 13 years old and he's singing about um, how racism is bad, and like all the all the young kids, we all knew that, you know what I mean. But it is it's almost heresy. It makes him feel like an outcast in Christian circles, you know what I mean? To be but but that's why it sort of appealed to a young person, you know, because it's like the older people are all like, yeah, we're racist. We just don't talk about it, you know. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And um, not to apply too much of a snobby 2022 lens of like, we all know this now, because, of course, I mean, specifically in that song you were referring to, Scott, the, the song called We Don't Need No Color Code. Uh, it's it's specifically targeting Bob Jones University, which is one of the you know primary Bible schools in the country was a Bible school, I should admit, for uh, journalistic integrity and ethics that I was homeschooled by in the early 2000s, a few short years after they lifted the ban on <laughs> interracial marriage in the year 2000. Schooled is a strong word as well, wow. right, Kevin? Yes, because <laughs> it was homeschooled material, so of course it's Interracial like... <laughs> marriage. They still, I mean... Or interracial the... dating, I think, too, and dating, on campus. dating, yes, was, yeah. was banned until the year 2000. Which, to be fair, about this is song. the first CCM artist I've heard ever mention it, <laughs> let alone like dedicate a whole song right, to how right, fucked right. up that was. And this is, you know, 1983, and he's like, hey... This huge 
guy in the industry is fucked yes. up. And to me as a 13 year old and, and his fans are all like, yeah, obviously racism sucks, you know, but, but he's the only person ever talking about it, you know? So it's, it's in, in, in a certain way, like in pop culture, yes. So much of the eighties pop culture was about like televangelists are terrible and they're mm-hmm, money grubbers. Mm-hmm. But no one in the church is saying that, you know, other than Steve Taylor, really, is writing a ton of songs about, like, hey, these people suck and don't give your money to them, you know, Mm -hmm. which is kind of revolutionary in a way and really appealed to me, a person who, you know, was was kind of, you know, contrary and and wanted to be counterculture, you know. Without being a full punk rocker. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Don't don't get you wrong. Of course, of course. Uh, in the uh, sort of the tome that we reference a lot, if you can see on the Zoom, the Encyclopedia of Contemporary Christian Music, that has basically neutral takes on on artists and and, and guys like this. They do dub him, or they quote Newsweek, who at the time dubbed him Evangelical Rock's court jester. Uh, which oh, yeah. I think is a very funny <laughs> frame. I saw another uh, term that was like, he's the um, the the comedy prince of CCM or something like that. And I was like, I thought that was us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of offensive for me to read as well. Yeah. Erasure. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, he did have a lot of comedy. And in fact, like one album or one song on his album on the Fritz is called Lifeboat. And it's about... It's it's not sung at all. It's just a sketch, practically, with mm-hmm. like a teacher. Teach. I think its point. I think I heard it recently. I think its point was about how teachers instructing kids with like moral ethical dilemmas about who do you throw off a lifeboat if there's only five spots on it, but there's six people. You know how that's a the wrong thing to do to try to teach kids about or something like that. I really don't know what the point is, but huh. it's all just like a sketch essentially. Um, and, you know, there was, I don't know, I don't remember who they were, but there was a Christian sketch group that put out live records and like a lot of TV nice. parodies. And I remember we did a lot of their sketches at my church. Uh, there was like a Leave it to Beaver parody where Beaver is feeling weird about things and finds the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And, um, <laughs> it sounds like a really good parody. <laughs> but I saw them, I saw them at Knott's Berry Farm too, mm-hmm. at the place where the hypnotist normally performs. Yeah. Um, where I tried to get hypnotized when I was 15 and the whole time I'm <laughs> like, like please I'm like this is not working this is not but if I act like it is then maybe maybe I'll I'll be called on to act like a chicken gracious yeah so I mean Caroline for someone like you that comes to all this stuff from a slightly different perspective a song like Jenny oh uh, my god uh, which yeah. is just about a woman who can't escape her sin and then eventually does commit suicide um that was so messed up because of the torment well, like kevin and i talk about this often like a lot of christian artists have what i what i have called a fallen woman song um uh, where yes. the male artist decides to let me talk about a girl this time but it's always like a girl who is confused and then like quickly sinks into like a terrible life mm-hmm, but right. this is possibly the first one where the girl just dies by the end of the song like dead. i was just i was shocked by that the talking about her body and everything like i thought this was pretty sick actually yeah it's that it's really interesting because like there, there are kind of neutral songs that he does where it's like Meltdown and Madame, Madame Tussauds, right? Is basically like, uh, 
hey, all these celebrities that you love, it's using the metaphor of the wax museum of all these celebrities are going to burn in hell and melt. Right. And that's, that's what I would call a neutral Steve Taylor song where it's like, <laughs> that's okay, Steve Taylor it's, light. A, it's a clever metaphor, that's but it's not silly. saying anything. It's not taking a stand on anything really, we, you know, contrary to modern Christian beliefs. And then there are the positive ones, I think, which are, you know, uh, we don't need no color code, you know, um, Guilty by association. And then there are the kind of really egregious ones. Like Baby um, Doe, which is, of course, about... Um, it's based on a true case of a couple who had a, a, a child born to them in Wilmington, Indiana. This is back in, like, 1982. And apparently, it was born with Down syndrome. And the story was, and I think it was a court case, that they uh, did not consent to having life-saving surgery for the baby, so they let the baby die. So then that became a talking point for pro-lifers about wow. sanctity of life and, and how people treat right. that sort of thing. And his his interrogation of it in the song is so interesting. I th- I think the only kind of interesting point to it to me, because it's also like grim and graphic, is that he lyrically turns it on himself and he's like, I could have done more. Or he's like, it's my fault too, in some way, which is mm. so like, I, is it your yeah. fault? I, I guess so. But just like, especially for, for someone lobbing so many bombs of like, this university sucks and the media needs to do this. And there's these war crimes in Poland, uh, you know, from such and such songs. He's saying like, I could have done more to say. And, yeah. and even though, I would fully disagree with the basic sentiment of what that song's trying to do. It is an interesting strain to it that his perspective is one of like personal accountability and not just like mm. the world is dark, you know? Mm. Well, it's also, you know, the dude is probably 23 or something <laughs> when he's writing all these, part of you it, know what yeah. I mean? Oh, and yeah. he's, he's coming out of the church. And so like, I give him a little bit of credit for even just, the, the good, the positive songs, mm-hmm. because it's so easy when you're 23 to be like, oh, this story about this couple who did this to this baby, I'm going to write a song about that. And then it, you know, like musically, it comes out really well, um, you know, but then down the line, it's, you know, it's unfortunate what the lyrics are about. I mean, I think a song like Hero is actually a really well done, subtle very subtle, and that's one of his neutral songs, which is just basically like you grow up wanting to be a hero, and and then Jesus like is you, the hero. Well, yeah, but you have a comic book sort of version of what that means, but the world isn't really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and but there's someone out there who wants to be your hero in that same way, you know, mm-hmm. like it's that's just at the very end, you know. So it's very subtle, and I think well done. Um, even if I don't really believe it, but hey. Do you think it's better than the Enrique Iglesias uh, cover of the song? And people don't know that. Enrique Iglesias is hero. I know he... <laughs> he, he did change the lyrics and the melody of it. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. But it's a, other than that, it's a pretty faithful but it, cover. It's a faithful cover. Spiritually, otherwise. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think it, it does right by Steve and everything he was trying to communicate with that. The, I mean, and this... also the, the Dustin Hoffman movie... Um, Fuck. I think it's called Hero. And never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. It's a movie cover of the song. Anyway. <laughs> a movie cover. Yeah, no, no, no. The 92 movie Hero. We all remember. We all love yes, Dustin Hoffman in that. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Marvel shout out and Hero. We can't escape it, unfortunately. Hey, you that spoke see. to me. Yeah. Love I, I that. spoke to both of y'all. Yeah. Um, I feel like that, that song actually 
uh, helped me understand a lot of the rest of the album too. And especially you mentioned that he's 23. Like, I didn't know that. But we've talked about that before, too, with like a lot of the CCM artists, like their biggest songs came out and their perspective was so hardcore. And it's because they were like in their early 20s and you don't have a lot of like experience and gray area to like soften your views yet. And this is such a giveaway, too, in in explaining, like, why he goes so hard on, like, good things, you know, like racism, but why he goes so hard on other stuff where people might have needed more compassion or more context, you know, and... And that's why I wonder if he's changed about it, because to me, he was a guy who was uh, at least thinking about things differently than everyone else. And so I wonder if his views have adapted at all to... Right. To hit, you know, being getting older and being a little more understanding of of things that are going on. You know, I mean, it it, it really is like a young twenties kind of like angry young man, kind of like, hey, this sucks, this sucks, mm-hmm. this sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. J- it's almost judgmental in a way. At sometimes at the right targets, and then sometimes it's like, hey, man, no, we hate gay people, right? <laughs> like <laughs> right. we're all supposed to do that. <laughs> Although I don't think he ever is like, I hate gay. I think he's more like, no, we get, you know, I, I, I truly believe he's more like, it's a sin. We got to help them. But I, right. I don't think, I don't think he was ever like a guy who's like, I hate these people. But he's right. he's also like, I think probably a middle class white guy who has grown up with a lot of privilege and, you know, has the... Which, which is great when he can turn his lens toward, you know, actual injustices in the world. But it's like he at in his early 20s hasn't like figured out any of the any of the subtlety behind any of these mm-hmm. issues, you know, especially in the 80s. Yeah. And I'm sure he was like uh, uh, being praised too, of being like, yeah, good job, you know, like way to call out and like pick this black and white issue and, and go for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, one honorary yeah. for the album is that it was voted, at least by CCM Magazine, as one of the top 100 albums of all time. It lands number 18 on that wow. list. <laughs> Wait, is this in all 18? music or just in Christian music? In all music. Better than Pet Sounds. Better than Sgt. <laughs> Pepper's. Better than Border Oh, Ryan. by the way, it, it was top number one. 20? It wasn't in the, just in the top 100. It was number oh my one. God. <laughs> it was number one with a bullet. It was number 18. Uh, oh and it was, God. of course, they, they talk about the satirical elements of it. I mean, what is above it, though? Like, I couldn't even tell you another album. Like, maybe Striper's to hell with the devil or something is that ab- above it well you know technically i will say uh the joshua tree is above it you two's the oh, joshua okay. tree so they yeah, are good. counting things right. like that things like keith green's for for him who has ears to hear i don't uh, know norman saw amy grant's uh album i mean uh, it really was like you'd go to a christian bookstore in the mall and they would, this was around when they, you could like listen and test it, test out a record. And I could put it on and within like three seconds go like, nope, because it just feels cheesy, you mm-hmm. know, like yeah. most Christian music just felt really super cheesy and like it was from five years ago. And this was the only stuff out there. I think I could overlook the lyrics or, you know, maybe I didn't even overlook the lyrics at the time about like, you know, gay being gay, being a sin. I don't know that I agreed with it because I was in drama and had a lot of, well, although most of my gay friends were not out and were saying they weren't and, Mm. and then also gossiping about every other 
person in the class being gay yeah. and going, I think that person's gay, that person's gay. And then going like, you're not gay, are you? And I think we're, everyone was just trying to figure out who was gay so they could say like, okay, I am too, you know. What right. a strange um, moment in time that will not be recreated in the future of like that particular it, game that you're describing. Yeah, it's really, you know, I feel like, am I an old man saying stuff like that? You know, and, and having it now, which is great, having it now not be relatable to people mm-hmm. because it seems like, Nowadays, um, people are way more accepting of it, but man, in the eighties, it was definitely not. And it was a problem. It's dangerous. There were, if there were rumors that you were gay, you know? Yeah. Um, so in any case, that song where he's talking about like, Hey, being gay is a sin. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's what the Bible says. If I believe it. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's got a point of it I'm predicated on your faith at the time. And so, yeah. So but it wasn't yeah. like joyously queer bashing or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his songs, uh, even his particular singing voice, it's not, um, it's not corny, but it is goofy. Like, it, yeah, it's not like, it's not like weird Al totally where it's like, like I'm sure Al can sing. Al's a good singer, right? He's an incredible musician and probably could do serious music, but he's putting on a voice for a lot of his songs. So right. it, sounds funny you know and i think steve taylor's doing the same kind of thing of like bah, 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 you know mm-hmm. in a way right. but he still sounds good to me in a way you know and it, and then he's also doing a bowie thing where he's using a bunch of different types of vocal techniques mm-hmm. so on um you know because bowie was always like he'd be like doing the cockney thing occasionally <laughs> and then he'd go and do this voice you know and Steve Taylor is doing kind of his thing where he's doing this, but then on Am I In Sync, he'll be like, take a picture of him and dun, dun, you know, so he's changing his voice a lot. He's, he, you know, he went to music school. He so would embody the character, much like Lady Gaga in House of Gucci, you know, where he would just kind of like her at the MTV himself. Awards when she played, what was his name? Oh, Joe, uh, Joe Calderon. Penis. My favorite oh, moment penis. of Lady Gaga <laughs> of all time. Um, by the way, Bowie learned that from Nicki Minaj. Bowie oh, learned that from Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just and by the way, the Lady Gaga, straight. as we went on the air, yes, do, news we, broke we, about her next role. Huge. <sighs> Dear Lord. Huge, huge news. <laughs> Can't wait for the press tour. Two of Relating. our most normal actors talking about their process for a sequel to a comic book movie <laughs> and equating it to life-threatening mental illness. <laughs> I feel like Joaquin Phoenix at least seems like a normal enough guy in a way. I mean, yes, the, the whole, his whole Letterman <laughs> <Which> thing. <part>? Yeah. <laughs> he's a good, but he's a good actor. He is a good actor. That's, he's that's what actor. distinguishes the two of them. I think, yeah, there you, you go. Know? Okay. And she was in House of Gucci. Man, anything else to say about this album before we rate and rank it? Anything else? You know, I, I, even though I turned away from the church at a certain point when MP3s, um, became a thing. You know, I still got the CDs mm-hmm, when they came mm-hmm. out. And then even, you know, when MP3s came out, I was like, oh, you can't find his EP anywhere. I finally found it on Amazon. This must have been like 2006 and stuff like that. Oh I gosh. still I still really do like the music. I still will put it in the rotation. And I know one song came on um, when we were in the car and Kulop was like, what is this shit? <laughs> it must have been one of the terrible ones where it like was hitting you over the head with 
some Christian thing, but like I st- I still do like the music and think think a lot of them are jams. And I will excuse uh, a lot of the lyrics in a way just because I like the music and the nostalgia with it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and and you have to be kind to that fifteen-year-old boy taking the stage and singing about yeah. a hero <laughs> and wanting to be a hero, <laughs> wanting to be a hero. But hey, Steve Taylor, you know, contact these guys. Let us know what you're up to. I know you, they just put out a Cheval Guevara, yeah, like live CD, literally last month or something like that. Um, so we're two degrees away from him, or one degree away with two different people, like. Two people we found on the show are on good really? terms with him, at least. Yeah. Oh, okay. So not undoable, but yes. Yeah. Unless you suck. Yes. We unless don't, you're we don't want to hear from you if you're a raging bigot, or, as a lot of religious people become as they get yes, older. Of but um, hit hit us up if you're if you're cool and you're <laughs> but like. But if not, let's hang. <laughs> but if not, yeah. Let, and if you're not cool. Let's not hang, yeah. you know? And it can be as simple as that. Let's set our boundaries now and follow yeah. If you, you look at yourself test. and go like, no, 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 I'm not cool at all. Right. We don't want to hear from We're you. We're good. No, thank you. And no harm, no foul. Bygones, no harm, no foul. I'll still listen to your songs. If you reach out and go like, no, I am cool. And we go, after talking to you for five minutes, we're like, you're not cool at all. That's going to be a problem, Steve. And that'll be a mini episode because we will not waste the tape. I refuse to. <laughs> I'll come back. if he if he reaches out and is on the show, I'll come back and ask him. Hell yeah. Things. Oh yeah. I well, think you guys should meet at Knott's Berry Farm and yes. hash it out. On the corkscrew. <laughs> yeah. Hero recognized hero. All right, guys. The way this works is we give it a final rating in the form of a holy toast or holy roast. Holy toast, Scott, that's a thumbs up. That's when we send it all the way to heaven where the angels are toasting it forever. Or Holy Roast, that's when we, it's a thumbs down and uh, we send it down. <laughs> or if we don't want to send it to heaven and we don't want to send it to hell, we can always send it to purgatory, which is... The space between. <laughs> One of my favorite Christian artists. <laughs> oh, he's such a good Christian artist, isn't he? Uh, when he baptized all those people over the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> with his shit yeah, water. that's right. Communion. <laughs> all right, we start with Caroline's per usual. Um, I, <laughs> I feel conflicted about this album. Like it is interesting for all the reasons we've discussed. I also just couldn't stop thinking of how this album sounds like if Carman went to college. <laughs> this is oh, basically God. the Carmen. kind of stuff that Carmen. he would do. Now, I don't know if you remember this uh, Italian greaser type who was like a bit of a lounge lizard, a bit of a Like Sinatra. a Lady Gaga uh, as Johnny Penis type? I would say, type? yes, Scott. He is kind of the Lady Gaga of, of Christian music, the Johnny Penis of Christian Carman music. Carman to Calderon, Pipeline. He like, I feel like he did, he did kind of like funny, goofy stuff, but he also was like very into the issues and would like hone in on a really specific one for songs. And then he was also like kind of hammy too. Okay. Um, but Carman was not a uh, very... Yeah. Intelligent, I'd say. So okay. uh, this so one this maybe is has Carmen a, goes a to couple college more layers, <laughs> right? Like a like a like a guy who's at least graduated and right. He took some right. classes. Had, at had to have college. like an actual yes. debate, you know, here and right, there. Right. Right. Um, so, but I do like that he uh, hates on fascists. So I'm going to give him a space between for this album. Oh, how generous! All right. Well, from there, we turn to Scott. Scott, what do you give it? You know, I. 
look, I'm not an incredible lyrics guy anyway when I listen to music. Sure. I, you know, um, I think when I was listening to Personal Jesus, uh, to keep it on topic, uh, I thought it was Reach Out and Touch Me for until probably five years or so ago. <laughs> um, so I'm not, I'm not incredibly honed in on the lyrics when I listen to music anyway. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of these songs still sound good to me. They still sound like jams. Um, I, doing my re-listen for this, I was like, oh, no, surprised uh, at some of the lyrical content. But look, honestly, like I still listen to a lot of 90s hip hop, uh, which has uh, kind of even worse stuff. I mean, like even 80s and 90s hip hop has a lot of people being tricked into uh, going on dates with women who turn out to be men and uh, having a lot of violence against them. So that's mm. a little worse to me than a guy basically going like, hey, I think uh, gay people, uh, I think that's a sin. Um, it's true. This is better than that thing you're describing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to give it a, a whatever you call it, the straight straight up to heaven. What oh, yeah. The holy, holy toast. toast. Holy go. toast. Nice. Scott Sorry. gives it a holy toast. He has Good to stay, stay true to his roots. And of course, I'm going to join Caroline and give it a space between. Listen, I, 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 I admire the man's heart and I admire his capacity to do something a little bit different, a little bit novel in the space. Now, did it age well at all? Of course, not. it's easy to always be a snob 40 years out or however long it's been from when it came out in 1983 and 1984. But listen, I, I have to give a space between because he said, I don't like racism. I don't like racism either. And I'm not afraid um, to say it. And it's I'm okay. a space between on racism. Okay, yeah. Scott's oh. a space between <laughs> our racism. Caroline, holy roast or toast to racism. I, uh, I I plead the fifth. You know, I'm just still, okay. there's a lot of good points. Um. Mm. Yeah, on many sides, on many sides. Okay, so that's kind of how what, where we fall on it. And Steve Taylor hey, on the show. I, I, I hope you're not giving it a space between just because... Uh, uh, I'm here. I uh, no. You know, we this is how I feel. No. This is how I feel on Scott hasn't seen. I occasionally someone will love a movie and I'll have to say, uh, I'm not glad I saw it before I died, and it's their favorite movie, and I f- I feel terrible about Who it. Who did that to you I recently? Got, I got to be honest. Well, what was the most recent? Oh, like Oscar that? Montoya loves Earth Girls Are Easy, and oh, um, yeah. one of his favorite movies of all time, and I had to talk about why I don't think it really works. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, so stuff like that. Explain mm-hmm. it to him in detail. Jason Manzukas loves Top Gun, and I had to say, nope, not a fan. Top yeah. Gun is a little snoozy. Top Gun number one is a little like it's kind of a movie, and everyone loved number it. Number two, obviously. though. Number, number two, two really rock and roll. Okay. I love going number two. Uh, all right. Well, gang, now let's bring it down a little bit uh, to a more worshipful, more reverent, more holy space. Scott, on other shows, you may have plugged yourself or your own projects uh, or your social media or whatever the hell. We're not here to do that. We're here to lift it up to the Lord as a humble and loving sacrifice, including maybe something we're enjoying in secular culture. And of course, we start with Caroline. The Patty uh, you, Scalfa of the Good Christian Fun Podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, sure. I love. I guess I love Patty. Um, Bruce I, why. You get. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. Um, you can lift me up to Christ Himself at Caroline Sparts on uh, Twitter and Instagram, etc. And my lift up for the week is an album I listened to in between uh, Steve Taylor's screeds uh, maybe a bit of a palate cleanser um it's an album by remy wolf called juno i think it just came out uh, a lot of bops and bangers on that one really fun one so i recommend giving that a listen and it is oh. a doodle that can't be undid home skill just like juno 
That's right. Mm-hmm. Gracious. Hamburger right. phone. That's right. <laughs> the rest. Uh, thank you. We turn to Scott. Uh, well, you can you can hear me, of course, on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast or uh, Twitter at Scott Ackerman. I, I'm going to lift up to the Lord uh, this guy who makes a bunch of Spotify playlists. His name's Matthew Perpetua. Yes. And uh, I read about some of his stuff. Dave Holmes uh, uh, tweeted about some of his playlists, and I've been listening to the This Was Indie Sleaze 2002 to 2008 mm-hmm, one. But mm-hmm. he's, he makes jangle pop ones and power pop ones. And so basically, like, look up This Was Indie Sleaze playlist on Spotify, and the guy who uh, compiled it, click on his name, and he's got, uh, it seems like hundreds of interesting playlists that will open your musical mind up into a lot of different areas that you may be interested in how about that and and you can always uh go to cbbworld.com oh yeah please and you can hear uh these two on uh a scott hasn't seen episode where we talk about the movie passion of the christ we talked about passion of the christ so we don't have to do it on this show (laughs) we've never covered it on gcs and it's a nice companion piece to this i thought we had a really interesting conversation and i hope that you guys had fun on it it was Um, so great we had a pleasure Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you, Scott. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter on Peloton, Letterboxd, and OnlyFans. Uh, down to 60 fans. Uh, oh, <laughs> bit of wow. a fallow We're period at 114 right now. on OnlyFans. Yeah. Uh, you lost 50 fans? I did. Did all the bots get cleared out of OnlyFans? You know, there was that newcomer's week? bump. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bump, the bump did. Uh, that newcomer's bump doesn't last, my friend. No, it doesn't. All right, I well, Kevin, have found that out. That we'll personally. work on that. We'll have to refresh sort of your content strategy and maybe less, uh, less reading of Paddington books, and we'll try some other stuff. Yeah, I need to do more sex work on there instead of uh, Paddington oh, readings. That's what it's. Um, I want to lift up a movie I saw after which I th- said to, I think this is the best movie I've ever seen. It's a movie called. RRR. It is an Indian action yes, film. Yes, I want to see this. It is. I was maybe going to watch it tonight. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, and it's on Netflix right now. If, if you're not able to access it in the theater, I would strongly and highly recommend people watch it in the theater because you'll, you'll feel like you're levitating. It's so good. It's kind of a musical in some ways. It is so mm. creative and joyous and strange and, and uh, you know, balls to the wall in some ways. Or whatever that's where to I the like wall. my balls. I know. Yeah, that's where it feels good in a place like this. <laughs> um, so definitely recommend it. It is three hours long, and it feels like it's an oh, hour long. Oh, I am long. not going to watch it tonight. Yeah, yeah, you may not watch it tonight, <laughs> unfortunately. It's a night-night. Uh, but, you know, it's playing in L.A. and New York and in some places. very fun to watch with the crowd and hear people applaud um, and have it come out of their seats. Uh, so that's RRR. You can lift us up at good uh, Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Uh, you can go to our Patreon uh, patreon.com slash good christian fun and you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts. every review you leave we donate a dollar to charity this month's charity is every town for gun safety scott thanks so yes. much for doing the thank show you. bud what so, a fun time so you. awesome very what a win for gcf today yes um, what a gift. pleasure uh being on the show you guys do great work and uh i'm a fan of you guys personally as well <gasps> that's so nice thank you scott we were as well and there's nothing left to say caroline except for okay, okay I, love I love you, you. thank you, you emma, emma. Amen. amen okay scott what's a steve taylor song you want us to go out on uh i think that let's hear am i in sync i think that's a jam okay am I in 
sync. Am I in sync? Scott Ackerman says this is a jam, and he stakes his life and career on the idea that this song is very good. What, my career? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, my life, sure. Your family. Contracts. (laughs) Oh, gracious. All right, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.